The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> Has a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome in Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Slareth along with Mike Evans, producer Scott DeHuff. i uh, like to thank our presenting sponsor, the fine folks over at Core Water. I'm telling you what, you haven't tried Core Water Pick yourself up a bottle, the big blue cap, the giant suck hole. Um, you're going to love this water. Crisp, clean taste, and uh, and perfectly balanced. 7.4, which is the pH balance of your body. That's what the water is balanced at. I'm telling you what, for ultimate hydration, check them out uh, at hydratewithcore.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Man, oh man, NFL free agency. Never I, disappoints, you know what? does it? And here's the crazy thing about NFL free agency. So I've been out at spring training. Um, so I went to see my son. He is uh, with the Boston Red Sox. So they're in Fort Myers. And, you know, we took the granddaughters out there and my daughter-in-law, my wife and I, and just got to spend the, uh, a couple of days at spring training. I, I, there may not be a greater, more laid back time than spring training baseball. It's just, it's phenomenal, man. The whole vibe is just It is so fantastic, cool. isn't it? It really is. You're traveling around and all the fans come out there and, you know, and, and and I'm telling you what, there's packing these stadiums are like ten, twelve thousand people. They're just absolutely packed. It is. I, I tell you, I love spring training. I love. Um, I would like him to be with a team that uh, was in Arizona because it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more doable on a consistent basis. But um, we had a great time. Um, phenomenal. He's getting an opportunity to pitch in big league games, the Boston Red Sox. So I just, uh, I'm really excited for him, really excited for the opportunity, really proud of, of just the grind. You know, I, it's it's interesting, Mike, because I've told him, you know, on many different occasions, you know, we, we tend to look at destinations, but we don't see the journey. And I tell him all the time, don't let anybody else write your story. You know, he's been told a million times, you're not good enough anymore, you're too old, you don't throw hard enough anymore, you're, you know, you're this, that, and the other. And somehow he keeps fighting, keeps finding a way onto rosters and, uh, you know, pitching in the minor leagues for the, the last several years, even to the point where he was pitching in an independent league last year. And um, I just, there's part of me that really wants him to make it back just so... You know, you can flip the bird to everybody that told him you can't do it anymore. You know what I mean? Like that that's that's the there's a competitive nature side to me that is really I'm really bad. Like I know that it's not necessarily who I wanna be, but I also understand that it's kinda who I am. What have you said? You're a... I'm You're a bad, really, I'm a good loser, but I'm a really bad winner. Right. So you'd love and to be able to see him. There's a few phone calls I'd like to yeah. make to people who have basically, you know, laughed me out as I've been his de facto agent at times. Um, see, as you talk about that, and you're, you've been living it, so you're dealing from that perspective. See what I hear, and I think I, I speak on behalf of every father out there listening right now to this. How cool is it that you get to see your son play Major League Baseball? 
and yeah. and that that to me is like I I think I speak for every dad out there. Like, how cool is it? The idea that yeah, I'm going down to Major League Baseball spring training to watch my son pitch. I are you kidding All me? Right. How it, cool is it, that? It is it is really cool. I think the other thing for me, I, I got to see Dave Dombrowski, and Dave Dombrowski is the general manager of the Boston Red Sox, who was a general manager in Detroit when when Detroit traded for my son out of Arizona um, to come pitch for the Tigers. And so we got to see Dave and got, I just, you know, very casually, Hey Dave, thanks. Two things. Thanks for giving him a chance. One. And and thanks for honoring your word, which in a day and age of professional sports just doesn't happen very often. So, you know, I've got to see the process change in baseball. I've got to see it go from, scouts and eyeballs and you know and and getting guys out and things of that nature to spin rates and you know and and analytics I've, I've watched change and there's very few teams that really rely on the eyeball test anymore they're all analytics and the best teams rely on both but the thing about Boston that's been really cool is they told Daniel here's what we're going to do here's the opportunities we're going to give you and they've 100% um, stuck to their word, which just frankly doesn't happen very often in pro sports. So at, at the very least, you're getting an opportunity. He may get cut. I don't know. He may, you know, they may send him to, to AAA or AA, or he may get cut, or they may keep him an extended spring, or he may make the big league team. Like, there are so many different options but at least, you know, you're going out on your terms and you're getting to write your own story. You know, as you describe baseball and and I think about what's been happening these last couple of days in football see I think baseball has been really hamstrung almost paralyzed by this over reliance on analytics and I think it's led to this huge logjam of players who aren't signed cuz teams are so caught up in youth and cost control and all that, mm-hmm. then you juxtapose that with football where these guys are drunken sailors who are like, hey, hey, I got money to burn. Let's go spend it. And they're not putting any thought into the idea that, you know, a lot of these deals aren't good deals. They're not smart deals. You are not going to get true bang for your buck. It's almost just a widely held industry-wide acceptance around the NFL that, yeah, we're going to spend stupid, silly money and overpay for these guys. But that's what we do. It's NFL free agency. Yeah. And boy, has that been on display these last few days. And I will tell you this. You know, the one team that you probably should look at, because I got this on Twitter a bunch over the last couple of days because I've been out in Florida, and, you know, and, and free agency, you know, the, the legal tampering period started Monday. Um, Wednesday is the official, you know, opportunity to sign. I think it starts at 4 Eastern or whatever. But – it, it's interesting to me. People are in panic mode because safeties are getting signed for $14, $15 million a year and offensive tackles are you know getting traded for and getting signed to record deals and things of this nature. And everybody's in this panic mode like, oh, like Chicken Little, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. We got to get more free agents. Here's the deal about free agency. You're overpaying for marginal talent. That's what free agency has become. And I would say this. Look at the one team that really basically is the the one team that is the standard in the NFL right now. That's the New England Patriots. 
Do you think they miss Nate Solder? Nate Solder signed last year to a record deal, the most ever for an offensive lineman to play left tackle for the New York Giants. He has never one time been a top five offensive tackle in football, but he's the highest paid offensive lineman in football. And you think the Giants are really excited about that contract that they signed him to? Uh, Trent Brown. Trent Brown was traded for by the New England Patriots after they lost their rookie left tackle. He comes in and starts. And by some publications, he gave up the most fast pressures of any tackle in football. But he just got a huge deal from the Oakland Raiders. So you look at the New England Patriots. Flowers. Their their defensive end slash D tackle. You know, had seven and a half sacks. Got this record, like $55 million in guarantees. And, like, New England is just like, oh, we're fine with getting compensatory picks and uh, drafting guys and developing guys, and we'll be fine. Like, look at the free agents that have left New England over the last, I would say, over the last decade. Just Let's just take the last four or five years. How many of them have gone on to have stellar careers? How many of them have gone on? Can you name any guy? Danny Amendola went to Miami Dolphins, just got cut. Like, he was a star in New England. He just got cut from Miami. And, and, and oh, by the way, their coach was in New England. Like, how many guys have gone on and left the New England Patriots to star somewhere else? You know, I mean, think about it. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, no. Logan Mankins, remember when he left to Tampa? Solid starter, but he was oh, yeah, nothing he was, crazy. Richard yeah, Seymour? Wasn't the same kind of player, but I'm just I'm just telling you some of it, especially with defensive players, there's a lot about scheme that they do that that sets their players up for success, and their players accept the coaching and they do it the correct way. Um, I mean, Dante Scarnecchia, the offensive line coach of the New England Patriots, ought to be getting commissioned on the, the offensive tackles that he has put to other teams that have made record deals mm-hmm. and then they really haven't they really haven't produced. Well look at look at the teams that have won free agency so far. And you tell me what they have in common. From the Jets to the Raiders to the Lions mm-hmm. to the 49ers to the Browns. What do they all have in common? Yeah, they've all been losers. Losers. Yeah. Right? So Meanwhile, the teams that, great, you're winning March. All right, awesome. Then who are the teams that are still left standing in December, January, and February? Yeah. And what have they done in free agency? What's their approach to free agency? What's the Patriots' approach? What's the, uh, for years, the Packers' approach? The Steelers? Uh, the Rams? You know, it's, it's so I, I guess the question then is why, why do teams do it? If there's no clear-cut correlation between going out and just making free agent splash after free agent splash and actually becoming an NFL powerhouse, then then why do teams do it? Well, one, because there's a certain money they a certain amount of money they have to spend, right? And two, um, hope springs eternal in the NFL. Hell, if I go get myself a couple of star players, guess what happens? Everybody renews their season tickets. Everybody gets excited about the team. Everybody's a buzz about the team. You know, and that that carries you right through, let's face it, carries you through end of October, 
until you either are, you know, you end of October, you're, hey, if you're five and three, we're legit, man. Mm-hmm. We can, we got a chance, right? If you're three and five, you're like, oh, well, there's always next season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these contracts that were signed, Mike, a lot of these contracts that have been signed, you know what's going to happen. Those will be the contracts that are restructured. Like Khalil Mack was traded for before the start of last season. You know they just restructured his contract to clear like $11 million and They just converted his base salary into a signing bonus, a workout bonus or whatever. Here you go. Um, like these, these contracts are so... They're fungible. You know, they can be moved around. They can be manipulated and stuff. But a lot of these contracts, guys will just get cut. But it I mean, is about hope. I mean, look at look at the Jets. Their Vegas odds improved from 101 to 50 and 50 to 1 just by virtue of the Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley moves. And you know what? If you're a Jet fan, you don't have to really have potential reality slap you in the face until maybe October. In the meanwhile, you get to enjoy an entire offseason, because the draft still is there too, Right, where you start dreaming of Sam Darnold making the, the leap and Le'Veon Bell and right. C.J. Mosley, and you get to be excited about it all yeah. summer long. Adam Gase, their head coach, he's got eyes for the playoffs. <laughs> well played. <laughs> well played, Mark Schlereth. He's got his eyes on more free agents. Got his eyes on... He's got his eyes on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Up, down, side to side. Right. He's got his eyes on flying tacos. <laughs> I mean, he's got his eyes on everything, for crying out loud. I st- I want to I talk to Adam. you got to talk to Adam. i gotta, I got to, like, I get, have got to talk to my man, Adam. Now, there, there are some moves, though, that, that you look at and you're like, okay, this, is, this team's doing something right. And last year during the summer, we were doing this, this conversation right here, right. this podcast, and I said, Mark, if I was – if I had a chance to buy stock in NFL teams, I would be buying stock in the Cleveland Browns just because of the talent that they've assembled mm-hmm. and the opportunity to get better. What do you make of what they've done? I mean, just in the last few, Olivier Vernon, Odell Beckham Jr., Kareem Hunt. In my opinion, you tell me if I'm wrong, they're the team to beat in the AFC North now. The Cleveland Browns, folks, right. Are the team to beat? Not the Steelers, not the Ravens, certainly not the Bengals. It's the Browns. Yeah, it, it, I Am mean, I going too far? Well, no, I don't. I still think there's going to be a learning curve there, Mike. You've got to learn how to, you know, to win those tight games. You have to learn how to, you know, win in this league on a consistent basis. How much different will the Pittsburgh Steelers be without Antonio Brown? How much more discipline will they have? Can Mike Tomlin kind of regain control of that organization um, and some of the dysfunction that went on there? That'll be interesting to me. That's I think that's their number one competitor. Obviously, the Ravens, you know, are always going to be they're always going to play you physical. But you lose a C.J. Mosley, who to me is a, a great player. You lose the architect of the defense in Eric Weddle who is the guy calling all the things. He's a great player. You lose the heart and soul in T-Sizzle, um, goes to Arizona. Like th- That's three moves that are going to be really hard to overcome. Those are three losses that I think are huge losses for the Baltimore Ravens. And then what is, what's the likelihood of Lamar Jackson like being able to play the style he plays and survive throughout the season? I don't, I don't think it's good. And based on... Studying the film and calling one of their games, 
the guy doesn't have the requisite arm talent to play in the NFL. He, he doesn't have the accuracy. Um, does can you get a little bit better? Yeah, but like he's got he's got so many. I mean, it's like Tim Tebow when Tim Tebow was here, and I said the same thing about Tim Tebow. He doesn't have the accuracy and the ability to to play in the NFL at, at that position. So um, I'm with you on Cleveland. I guess the one thing or the one concern I would have about the Cleveland Browns is how do all these guys coexist? Like, okay, Jarvis Landry is a I need the ball. I'm a alpha dog receiver, as is Odell Beckham Jr. Um, their tight end, what's his name? Njoku is is an unbelievable athlete who deserves you know some opportunities with the football. Then you've got two starting running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, like Freddie Kitchen's got all the toys in the world. How are you going to keep all those guys? "Quote unquote," satisfied. Wow! If I stepped into like some alternate universe, am I into like Bizarro World, where we're now talking about the Cleveland Browns and their biggest problem is they have too much talent? Isn't that it, it and is not though? Enough, right? And not enough balls to go around. Wow! Like, you got too many alpha males. I, it, here's the one thing that's really interesting and intriguing to me: um, Baker Mayfield, to me, is just so ballsy, like. And talking to John Dorsey, their general manager, who seems to be doing a phenomenal job in Cleveland, um, amassing talent. Uh, They are just, that guy is, there's no question who's large and in charge of that offense. And And it's Baker Mayfield. And, like, they have so much respect for him as a player, his enthusiasm. But he'll dog cuss a dude. And then, you know, I mean, he just has, whatever it is, whatever leadership skills he has, you know, he just has them in spades. So, I... Like, he feels to me like a guy that can keep it loose and keep it manageable in that offense. I, I tell you what, they defensively they got some players too. Vernon opposite of of Miles Garrett and um, uh, Ogan Job, was it Ogan Jobu, something like that. Sorry, man, you're on that. Larry all by yourself. Ogan Joe Ogan Jobu, I think is his name. Larry Ogan Joby. Logan Joby, Ogan. Either way, can't hit right. curveball. That's Obi One Ogan Joby. I think it's Obi One Ogan Joby. The force is with him. Whatever his name is, a really good player <laughs> yes. on the inside. Ogan Joby. I'm sorry, I butchered your name, and I don't have my uh, I don't have my roster with me. Wait a minute, I I do actually. You know what? You know, a lot of times we'll just get efforting music. Efforting music, you know. But uh, just give me some. And everywhere we go. And everywhere we go. Larry Ogunjobi. Aha. Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah, you you had it. Obi-Wan Ogunjobi. Obi-Wan Ogunjobi. The force is strong? Wait. No, you're right. No, that's Yoda. That is Yoda. You're right. That's not Larry no, Ogunjobi. Right. Doesn't matter. Same kind of thing. Anyhow, it's, it's long good. story we, we, short, we got you. We, we got you. They've got talent, and they're talking about. By the way, Denzel Ward was was yeah. great, right? Denzel Ward was awesome. Um, yeah, uh, like they've got they've got some freaking talent now on the defensive side as well. And oh, by the way, they're talking about Earl Thomas coming there. Come on, how about that? That is crazy. You went from the Cleveland Browns, a factory of sadness, to Super Bowl favorite. So, 
Super Bowl favorites a little strong. Well, uh, uh, well, no. According to the wise guys in Vegas, their odds are now like down to like twelve to one. I mean, they're they're going to be a trendy pick. They are a trendy, trendy pick. Are the Giants on the fast track to becoming the new Browns? I mean, to listen to it in New York. Oh yeah, they're killing Dave Gettleman for this OBJ trade. Yeah, I like one. Why did you sign OBJ to the big contract? And how much dead cap money do you have to eat because of that? That one, that part, I get it. But Dave Gettleman's a believer in build the front seven, build your offensive line, and and you know, and you'll win a lot of games because of trench warfare. Um, I think the other thing they understand is yeah, they're going to probably draft Dwayne Haskins. They want to use the. Kansas City model of Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, and so they're going to ask Eli Manning to do that for a year as they revamp this offense. Uh, again, tell me the last big-time wide receiver that that led his team to a Super Bowl. It just, you know, it really, in today's game, I, I just don't think it happens. I think the model is don't overpay those guys. I think that's the model. Hey, get yourself a dude that can run by people. Get yourself a guy that's an underneath guy that understands leverage and understands, you know, the option route aspect, the the Julian Edelman's of of the game. Get yourself a big guy that can, you know, body people up in the red zone and find yourself a middle of threat tight end that can get outside the numbers and do a bunch of stuff. I, I just think you look at the receiver position and you're like, eh. Like Gettleman is like, nah, I'd rather spend the money on on building an offensive line yeah, that can play. Yeah, and I guess I'm a little surprised by the reaction from Giants fans, Giant media. Did, have you forgotten about how you've won Super Bowls in the past? You haven't won with Sizzle. You you've won with an, pretty anonymous wide receivers. You've you've won with front seven. You've run with strong line play, mm-hmm. and you you kind of got away from that by. Signing Odell Beckham Jr. to that kind of contract, to, to me, it, it almost seems like the Giants are getting back to their roots. And rather than blast them for it, maybe you ought to be hopeful if you're a Giants fan. you got a first and a third and and a starting safety Yeah, in Jabril Peppers, the starting nickel guy. Yeah. Like, I think you, I think you did pretty well for yourself. I, I do, too. I, I blame fantasy football because... Because of fantasy football, we've elevated the importance of these wide receivers way more than they deserve. Now, they may right. be instrumental to your fantasy football team, but you're, to what your point is, they're not instrumental when it comes to actually winning real football games. Yeah, I mean... Look like, around. Like, Odell Beckham Jr. puts on more of a show pregame than he does during the game. And, and he's a really outstanding wide receiver. Sure. Outstanding. I don't know. I just, like... You know, look at the Super Bowl matchup. Yeah. Like, wh- what were the receivers in the Super Bowl? Julian Edelman. Who else? Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Who is now getting paid, but he wasn't last year, wasn't Robert paid. Woods. Robert Woods. You know, I mean, um, I, I mean, go back. Seattle, over, the, over this run that they've been on. Doug Baldwin. Yeah. Lockett. Yeah, they're not, you know, they're, nobody's, nobody's sporting a top. Three or four paid wide receiver. Who are the ones we automatically think of? We think of OBJ, Julio Jones. Stop me when they've right. won a Super Bowl. 
Uh, Antonio Brown. Well, Julio Jones probably should have won a Super Bowl. Now, Julio Jones is a different cat, though, because Julio Jones, and I've done a bunch of Atlanta games over the last two years, Julio Jones is um, universally respected as one of the hardest workers and one of the most non-diva players on their team. Okay. So he's a little different than your average you know, wide receiver, and he opens things up for everybody. But again, um, what was their biggest problem last year? They had three guys injured, three or four guys injured on their offensive line, and they went from being a Super Bowl you know, contender to out of the playoffs. I mean, that's – and they made a move for uh, James Carpenter, the, the starting guard from the Jets. So – um, or does he play tackle? He might may swing both tackle and guard, but I think he's a starting guard. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. They know where you know they know their issues, and that's up front. So we'll see. But I yeah I just I look at what Dave Gettleman did in New York, and I know a lot of people are like, oh my, you know. Again, this is me looking at the receiver position in general, saying for the most part, most guys, I'd like to buy them for what they're worth and sell them for what they think they're worth, you know, because they just have an overinflated opinion of their importance to a football team. But what if we, we, we just were able to spend the last 20-plus minutes talking about free agency. I mean, it is, it really is a fun time for the reasons you talked about. It creates hope for fan bases. Mm-hmm. It gets people talking, you know, what direction is our – team going in. Right. Um, and, and it's also huge because a lot of what happens in free agency will dictate what the team's now going to do in, in the draft. So maybe the draft takes on a little bit more clarity now. Right. After what we've seen teams do in free agency. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things now is that, you know, is that once you plug a couple of holes, now it becomes imperative draft-wise that that you build your roster. And you build them with with great players. Listen, the combine's become a joke. The combine's not even real. Like the numbers posted at the combine are ludicrous. They're ridiculous. They mean nothing. Guys leave school and they go to they become track stars. They do nothing but train for forties and train for bench press tests. And we did this the other day. Put the top ten bench press tests of all time at the combine. Like a nary one guy could play. Like there, there's like one part-time starter in that list. The top forty times of all time, Chris Johnson, remember Y two K or whatever he was, you know, from Tennessee. He CJ, was CJ two K. CJ two K. Yeah, Chris Johnson. What did I say? Y two K. Y two K. Which was real. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it was, it was real, but it was it was the whole bank thing. It was overrated. Weren't you nervous, though? Oh, yeah. I kept my kids at home. Planes were going to fall out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they all wanted to go somewhere. I was like, dude, Y2K, <laughs> stay home with Papa Bear, put on a movie. If, if the gonna, world's ending, you're right. going to be around. If we're going to die, you're dying with me <laughs> so I can protect you. Wait, what? <laughs> so anyhow, um, but other than that, I mean, it was John Ross and it was a bunch of other guys that, you know, a bunch of you know backup players that can run fast. It, it's a joke. The only thing worth anything at the combine is the medical. That's yeah. it. Yep. Can you pass it? Because even the even the interview even process, interviews. it's all tainted. They're all they're all prepped. Well, Charlie Casserly might have a different view on that, but right. 
But for the most part, the most they're part, all prepped. Right. And then, you know, you throw out a question like, do you have three testicles? Or do you have both your testicles? Both testicles? Yeah. Yeah, do you have both? Both. Because you're supposed to have two. Right. You just thought Where do you keep them? Where are your testicles? They're in my coin purse, of course. Well, in the case of Modern, DeHuff, my wife's coin purse. In the purse. case of DeHuff, they're in his wife's purse, yes. Yeah. Hey, oh. Not going to deny it. <laughs> Trust you me. You won't be needing these. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Mine are not in DeHuff's wife's purse. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> all right, on that note, you know what? I'm going to end this thing. Uh, I just uh, thank you all for listening to the Stinky Truth Podcast. We'll be back with you uh, later on, hopefully in the week. And, uh, you know, a lot more things are going to happen from now until uh, Friday. So we'll be back with you on Friday. The Stinkin' Truth Podcast, presented by Core Water. Subscribe to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and plenty of other podcast platforms.